We're going to be Luke chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 5. One of my favorite scriptures, um, I've, been, I've been into the, uh, watching the TV series, The Chosen, um, recently, and they have this, this actual interaction. It's such a cool interaction of Simon Peter. We're going to tell the story when Simon Peter um, left everything and um, followed Jesus, but he had this miracle moment. And it's really cool how they depicted it. But I, I was reading this and I watched this with my kids and, and we, were, we were looking at it a little bit. And Luke chapter five is, uh, um, it, I'll give you some context. So the Bible, uh, the New Testament starts off with Matthew, Mark, Luke, which is the book we're in. And then John, those are all four, what they call gospels or their, their lives of Jesus. So they just tell the story of Jesus from different perspectives. And Luke was a, was a physician. So he tells it from like a super scientific. So if like, you're really into like, say like you're not the faith guy, or girl, you know, you're like, I don't know if I believe in this or whatever, and you, you're into science. This dude was a scientist, and he actually was commissioned to write the story of Jesus. So he goes out and researches and studies, and you should go read about Luke, the actual person. It's amazing. But he writes a story in Luke chapter 5, where Jesus is in the middle of his ministry. He's like ramping up, and he's starting to say, hey, we're going to do something. We're going to do something. And he starts grabbing disciples, and he has this moment in interaction with Simon Peter. And so this is Simon Peter's moment with, with, uh, with Jesus, because he was a fisherman, and uh, he was doing what fishermen do. You know what they do? They fish. And he was fishing. And Jesus walks up to him on Luke chapter 5, verse 1. And it says this. It says, one day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore, the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. So now, again, Jesus is getting popular. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. So when, when a fisherman would typically fish at night and They've washed their nets. When you're done, you wash your nets. So they don't fish like we would fish with a pole. They fish eastern fishing, which is, which is they fish with nets. So you have to clean them, otherwise they get bad. And so he, he left them. They're washing their nets. Verse 3, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out on the water. And he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. I think it's interesting that Jesus would come into Simon's life at one of the worst times of his life. He had caught nothing. and He's frustrated. And Jesus comes in and says, yeah, I know you're frustrated about that. Can I borrow your boat? I just, I read the Bible funny sometimes. You know, you think about that? You ever go to God and you're praying? And you're like, God, I need you to help my, with my kid. He's crazy. And then God's like, yeah. Hey, can you give to church on Sunday? Hey, don't forget to go serve. Hey, hey, remember that person at your job? They need prayer. And you're like, God, but my nets are dirty and I didn't fish. I didn't catch nothing. Jesus is good about perspective. He says, verse 4, he says, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out to where it is deeper and let down your nets and catch some fish. And Simon goes, Man, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. I know that you, you're Jesus. It would seem that there are people following you, but I don't know about you, but I'm a professional fisherman. I know what I'm doing. And if I didn't catch nothing... I know you think it's a good idea to go do it, especially right now, because the fish ain't even out. Now, now this is the worst time. And I just washed, Jesus is like really good at making me do things inconveniently. Because I just washed the net. It's like you just cleaned your clothes and then he said, go out and get dirty again. You know, it's like, come on, Jesus, like at least wait until nighttime and give me a chance to go sleep. And, uh, but I think it's funny. He, he asked him and then I, one of the most, Amazing thing. He said, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. It's important. And then at this time, here's a miracle. The nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. And so he shout, 
help from their par- partners in the boat. And as soon as the both boats were filled with fish on the other verge of sinking, come on, I, that's funny to me. That Jesus would say, let your nets down again. Do it what you did before that didn't work, but with me it'll work. Like, I know you tried it by yourself, but with me it'll work. Just, 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 it's that, that frustrating word, just trust me. And he says, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Anytime you see the glory of God on display, it reveals to you your sinfulness. Pride can't stand with Jesus. Just can't. And for he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were others around him. His partners, James and John, and sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Say what? That's what I've been like. That don't make no sense, God. But okay. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. If you're, if you're taking notes today, I want to I um, teach on, on prayer. Because um, I, think, I think one of the most important things that you can do if you feel like you can't, and you're stressed out, and you're depressed, and you're anxiety-ridden, is to pray. But sometimes we don't know what to pray and how to pray. And I'm going to use this story as just an illustrate two points on, on really the title of my message, how to pray when you can't. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. I thank you um, today. God, you're here. You're here, you're here, you're here. And, and we, we, we don't need to ask you to be here. We don't need to figure out if you're here. We just need to be ready to receive because you are. So I pray right now that our minds are open and our hearts are, are clear. And, and God, as you speak to us, give us a unique message. Give us a unique message. Get me out of the way. God, you speak. There's expectancy in this room. And I know you're gonna do something. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody shout amen. Amen, 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 amen. I um, recently was thinking about a story um, that I, I went, one of my favorite things to do is to travel. I like to travel and uh, I like to go to places with my wife. Like my favorite thing to do in all the world is to go on a trip with my wife. She's like awesome. She's a lot of fun. She's like a really good person and a friend and she's funny. She's like undercover funny. You know, like I try to really be funny. I like try to be funny. Guys, anybody like try to be funny? I try to be funny. She's undercover funny. So I have a good time with her a lot and she, she and I, but, 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 and we agree on a lot of things, but there's some things we don't agree on. I'll give you an example. We went on a cruise and, um, and uh, we, and on a cruise, you can go on these things called excursions, which are like little mini trips at a port. So it'll port someplace and then you get off and then you can go do some fun things. Well, one of the things that I wanted to do because we were in like the Caribbean area is go on a, uh, a snorkeling trip. And so has anybody ever been on a snorkeling trip? Anybody been on a snorkeling trip? So it's kind of fun. You get to go on the water and you see all these fish and, and uh, you get to see, you know, uh, coral and coral reef and all. It's a really, really neat thing to do. And, uh, and so we got on this thing. And so my wife decided, she goes, well, I'll go with you, but I will not be snorkeling. And I said, well, I don't understand. Why would you, why would I pay? Like, come on, guys. Don't our wives do stuff like that all the time? Like, y'all go do that. that you'll make us spend money and then you won't do it. Like, ladies, I just want you to know, like, that irks us. It just does. And so she said, I'll go with you. You can pay for my trip, but I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit in the boat. I said, that's not snorkeling. That's sitting. And that's free on the big boat. 
But she goes, I want to go be a part. And I said, like, okay. So she goes, and I said, why don't you want to get out? She goes, because it's the water. And I don't know what's under me. Come on, how many of y'all like that? Like, she doesn't like, there's too many big things in the sea that could eat me. I'm too small as compared to the things. In it. And so I was like, well, I kind of like that. Danger is good for a guy, you know? And so I kind of want to get in there. And so she gets in the boat, and we get in the boat. And, and before the, the, the guy takes us out, he says this one thing. He says, this is interesting. He goes, all right, y'all, I'm going to teach you a couple things. He goes, today I'm going to teach you how to breathe underwater. And I said, breathe underwater. That's not possible. That seems irrational in what you had just said. I know you think you're funny, but how are we actually going to do this? And he said, no, we really are. And he pulled out this unique contraption, and I kind of gave it away. It was called a snorkel. It was interesting because he's like, you're going to get to breathe underwater with this thing. And I'm like, that's, that's not really what it is, but okay. I see where you're going. I see where you, what you did with that. And he goes, because once you put this on, so you start teaching us how to put the mask on and how to breathe through the tube. Have you ever, if you've been snorkeling, the first time you do this, it's a little discombobulating. You know what I mean? Because you're not used to breathing underwater. And once you look your, get your head underwater and now you have a tube that accesses air, you can actually take a breath while your head's underwater. That's trip. I'm just telling you. It's a trip. So he was right, but he was, being silly, and I got what he was saying, and I'm snorkeling, and I'm learning how to do this, and I'm like, this is amazing, and I got my snorkel on, and, and uh, I put this on if it wouldn't mess with my mic, but I, 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 I got this snorkel on, and I remember thinking, this is, this is really, really good, and I started to settle down, and then I met Gary, and Gary looked a little, he looked a little like this. This is, this is, this is what Gary looked like, and and Gary was a barracuda in the water. And so what's interesting about Gary is if you see through like these snorkels, they weirdly make things odd and looking weird. And so he was floating right here. And he wasn't moving. He was floating right here. So what Gary was a small, he, he, was, he, was, he was a barracuda, was a shark to me. So I freaked out. And I was like, this is real. My wife was right. How many guys ever said that? My wife was right, and I'm freaking out. I'm, I'm three. So he jumps in, grabs me, pulls me to the thing. He goes, what happened? Pulls me out. I go, man, there's a shark out there. There's a shark. He's going to eat me. And he said, I was watching the whole thing. He goes, you mean that? And it was like his little. It was a barracuda, but his little. And he goes, he goes, that ain't no thing. And he goes, please don't scream shark unless it's a real shark, you know, because that scream freaked a lot of people out. And, um, but I was thinking about it, uh-oh, that broke. All right, um, I was thinking about it because, like, he said something interesting. He said, you can breathe underwater, but you can't breathe underwater until you use this. And, and so the key was, the key was the snorkel. This doesn't work unless you introduce the key, which was the snorkel. Like, you can't do the, the thing, because it's a miracle, really. That you can breathe underwater because humans can't do that. Unless you introduce the key that actually allows you to do that. And what I've noticed about God, and Jesus was famous with this, is that he asked us, is it just me? And maybe you've never read the Bible. But if you've lived a life with God, get ready for him to ask you to do things that seem irrational at best and mean at worst. Yeah. 
So like if you're new to Christianity, I just want to warn you, prepare you. For some of you, it might excite you. He's going to ask you to do, he does it on purpose, it feels like. He says stuff like Jesus, I'll give you an example. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. And I'm like, Jesus, during your time, inflation at this level didn't exist. You didn't pay gas prices like I pay. You, you, you don't know what it's like to be worried. I was sitting, to, I was watching a, a, a TV show with my wife and they were talking about COVID. And I was, do you remember what it was like in March of 2020? When the world was shutting down. I know like we're far removed from it a little bit, but do you remember when we didn't even know what COVID was? We, we, it, it could have been the 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 next coming of the plague. We didn't know. It could have been the thing that wiped out humanity. Now, now I'm, I'm, I'm grateful it didn't, and I'm sad for those who were affected by it. And, but we didn't know, and do you remember? The point is, do you remember the fear? Do you remember? We were in the house, and we were wondering. We were wiping down Amazon boxes, y'all. Come on, like our groceries. Come on. And Jesus has the audacity to say, don't, well, don't worry about tomorrow. Bless those who persecute you. Say, like, Jesus, you don't know my boss. I'm persecuted on a regular basis. Like, lose your life and gain it. Well, I like life. If you gave me an option, I would choose to live. He says, if you lose it, you gain it. Like these things seem irrational, come on, at best, mean at worst, until, until you introduce Jesus. So, so, so the, 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 the simple lesson is that a life with Jesus doesn't make any sense unless you live with Jesus. <laughs> so saying you're a Christian and not living the way that Jesus wants you to live won't work. That's why people leave the church. You realize that? Because they get a taste of God and they love it, but they can't let go of themselves enough to live with God. And so what they try to do is have both. And you can't have both. I, I, I like to swim underwater without a snorkel. I'd love to breathe underwater without a snorkel. I'd like to see Gary at the size that he really is. But it don't work. Come on without the key. So a life with Christ is meant to be with, I know this sounds crazy, with Christ. It just is. And so in the, in the story, I thought was interesting. Two things happened with them that I thought helped me in my, 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 my moment with Jesus. Because, you know, it's interesting, it's interesting as it is with, with a life with Christ, um, I don't always do the things that I should and it's hard for me to pray when I feel like I'm overwhelmed. And if you feel like that, I, I, I'll give an example. Um, okay, so we planted the church 2018. We moved to San Antonio in 2017. Up until 2017, if you would have met me, I was the happiest person in the world. I had never struggled with anxiety or depression or fear or, or worry. I had never had any of those issues. I had not, not once, not once. 
I was never irrationally worried or never had any anxiety. It was weird. I was like, I, was like, I must be living in some weird Christian. Maybe this is the Christian bubble that everybody talks about. I feel like I live in it. And then I, I came to San Antonio, and the day I moved to San I'm not kidding. You want to get eerie? Like, I could share stories with y'all that would make your skin crawl about spiritual warfare. It would trip you out. You'd be like, mm, I'm not planting a church. I, I, like, it'd trip you out. The day I moved here, I went on a six-month journey of depression. Nothing happened. No one died. I didn't lose anything. There wasn't an experience that I could point back to. I couldn't get out of bed. And I remember thinking, laying in bed, thinking, I, I, there, there's, I, I, is anybody, like, I'm just being honest. I'm just being, this is a real church. We believe in real, like authentic. So if you're looking for the pastor who's got it all figured out, he's never been through anything, like, good luck finding that guy. He might not tell you the truth. He might act like it. I couldn't get out of bed for six months. I knew Jesus. I loved God. I had a pastor. I was giving. I was serving. I was at a, like, I had everything. There was no reason, but I was battling with it. And I remember thinking, laying in bed, going, like, I don't, I don't. You ever get tired of saying the same old prayer? God, help me in this depression. Like he didn't know I was in depression. depression. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you pray when you're going through something like that? And so I, I thought, let's use this story as a backdrop if we could. Just, just to give you some, some insight, give us some insight to how to pray. When you feel like you can't, how do, how do you pray? How do you actually pray? What's a godly way of praying? I'll just give you strategies this based on, the, on, the, on the, the story that we looked at. Two ways to pray when you just can't. Number one, this is a good prayer. Please write, uh, uh, if you can, like take your phone out, write this down. Like this is important today because I, I want you, these are practical steps. I'd love for you to just get in your spirit and um, <clears throat> kind of walk out and just kind of get an idea of, of how to pray. Number one, Pray this prayer. Lord, help me to obey you even when I don't understand. Help me to obey you even when I don't understand. So I'm overwhelmed and I'm anxiety ridden and I'm stressed out. I don't understand. I mean, I moved to San Antonio to plant a church for Jesus. I would think he would have protected me from a bout of depression. Would anybody else logically get to that conclusion like me? Raise your hand. Okay. So I don't understand. And I keep praying to God, help me. And God gave me, he said, no, wait, wait, wait. What if, what if there's something, bit, there's something, something in it. You got to see Luke 5, this is master. Simon said, he said, we worked hard all night. We didn't catch a thing. You don't get it. I get it. I'm pro. You're amateur. You're a rabbi. I'm a fisherman is what it is. Like Jesus was a rabbi. You know, he wasn't a carpenter. He was the son of a carpenter. He knew carpentry, but he wasn't a carpenter. He was a rabbi. So he knew what he was doing when it came to like God. He's a rabbi. He doesn't know anything about fishing. It's like you're a construction worker in here and you walk up and go, hey, look, I know you made that wall like that. Do it like this. You and I would have, if I, let's just say, like, let's say I'm the, you know, the pseudo rabbi of the day, you know, I'm teaching the word of God. Okay. Let's say if I walked up to your business, you know, whether you're a computer programmer, I'm like, I know you're programming like that, but listen, bro, push that button and that button and that button command clear, handle all your problems. You'd probably be nice, right? You'd be like, thank you, pastor. I, don't you have to be at church? Like, 
Isn't there a Bible to study somewhere? And they gave us a key. And this is the key. Is that you don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. And God is weird. Like, he's going to push you in the areas that you feel like you got it all figured out. Because Simon had it all figured out. He was a lifelong fisherman. He knew. He's going to push you in the areas that you know. No, I know. I know how it works, God. God's going to go, okay. But I need you to do this. And, and, and you and I, with our obedience, it doesn't always follow understanding. I would say in the world of Christ, it rarely follows understanding. Obedience follows submission. So if you're waiting to obey till you fully understand, you're going to wait a long time in the kingdom. I'm just giving you kingdom thoughts. Because I would hate for you to be frustrated. Because if you want to live on your kingdom, then none of this stuff matters. and It doesn't apply. If you want to live above the water and never see what's on. Un- when I went snorkeling, I saw some really cool things. But I didn't see it when I was above the water. So if you want to stay above the water, come on. You want to stay in your world. Go ahead. Go ahead. God will let you. But if you want to go do something good, if you want to see something amazing, I'm just, you have to do it after submission. This is a weird story in Joshua chapter number six, Old Testament. So if you all don't know anything about the Bible, go in the Old Testament. There's a book called Joshua. And it tells the story of the children of Israel finally getting to the land of uh, what they call the, 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 um, the, the promised land, the land that was promised to them. And Joshua's about to take them in. And this is their first city, Jericho. This is the entry city into the land that they, would be, that were, they were promised their whole life. And Jesus is, I'm sure, sitting, I just kind of theorize, you know, they don't talk about Jesus, Jesus, not until the New Testament. But I think Jesus is sitting with God, and they're kind of all talking. I'm like, what do we want to get him to do? Let's just see what happens. That's how I think about it with God, you know. God's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. This is a big city that's standing in the way of them and their promised land. So they need a miracle. What are we going to have them do? God goes, all right, Joshua, here's what we're going to do. Take your people. You're going to take that city. And if I'm Joshua, I'm like, bet. Let's get the dudes. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Get the swords. Get the spears. Get the axes. You know, get, get whatever. Get the biggest, meanest looking dudes. We're going to go take the city. I'm ready. And God goes, okay, here's what we're going to do. Like, go get the musicians. <laughs> and all the instruments. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk around that city. And we're going to play music. And then we're going to see what's happening. And I'm like, if I, I just want to put you in perspective. If you heard that, I think at least one or two of them would have been like, God has lost his mind. It would seem this is irrational at best. There's no rationale to this. This seems to be even mean at worst. You're mean, God. You're going to make us go do something? Not once. Not twice. Because once you watch around it again, you're going to have to walk around it again. And he makes them walk around seven times. And I could just imagine, I'm just saying, we have the luxury of seeing what happens at the end of the story. I want to put you before you see the end of the story. I'm serious. Like, this is God. 
This is in his character and this is in his nature. You walk around. We know that the walls fell after the seventh day. We know that. But they didn't. And after the fourth day, I don't know about you, but I've been looking for the off-ramp for this circle freeway that we've been on 1604, just walking around it. I'm like, where is the Dutch Brother Coffee? I'm about done Chick-fil-A. God, you crazy. And yet, the Bible says the promise came after the submission. The response determines the reward. And I know you think that it's like understanding. This is, this is, I'm, this is the science people, okay? I get, I, I'm poking at the science. You got to see it and add points and equations. And God, he's going to mess with you. So to let go is to submit. To let go is to submit. To let go. They let go of their nets. They let go of their nets. They submitted their will. And they did this thing called trust. Uh, bring, the, bring this thing out, guys. I, I want to show you. I just a little illustration if I could. I just want to show you a trust. It's like a trust exercise, you know. I thought I could do like a trust fall, maybe. Like, that I get up here and be like, you know, you know, hey, come over here. Pastor Jason, stand right there. And I just fall, you know. That, I thought that would be weird because if he dropped me, I mean, you know, I'd be in trouble. So what's interesting about life is, um, is trust in, 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 in the Hebrew, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make a pastor. Y'all heard that before, right? Like most of you Christians, you may be non Christian, you probably saw that as a bumper sticker or that was tweeted or that was on social media. Somebody forwarded it on Facebook. It was, it's great, great story. Problem is trust in the Hebrew is batak. It's actually, um, it means to cling to. And in order to cling to God, I know this sounds crazy. You're going to have to, let go of yourself. So you got to let go of your understanding, of your will, of your promises, of your things, of your, you got to let it go. You just got it. Uh, so the best way I can describe it is like, so like, here's what's cool. So most of us, we really do, like honestly, we are really good at clinging to me. Like I'm good at that. Like that's really good. I can cling to me because I'm my best friend. I'm in charge of my fan club. I think I'm right at everything. Does anybody else think they're right? Almost all the time, but me. Anybody else? Uh, I'm pretty good. I can prove it to you. Okay, good. Okay. Or then there's times where I feel holy. I'm in church. I'm around other Christian people. So I don't tell people that I cling to me, but I at least try to act like I cling to God. So I cling to God, and I'm like, okay, God, I can cling to you. And most of life is, is the tension between these two things, like my will, God's will. My way, God's way. My life, God's life. What I want to do, what God wants me to do. Like, it's, that's, that's the tension, right? The funny thing is, is that the lie that the enemy wants you to believe, because he knows that you can see both of them, right? He knows you can see that. The lie is, is that he thinks you can, you, tr you think we can have both. You think that you can cling to God and cling to me. And it doesn't work that way. And so what, what happens is, is so like you will be like, okay, God, it's going to be you, and it's going to be me, and life is going to be great, and then it's going to be awesome, and everything's going to hold up, and it's going to be really good. And, and the funny thing is, is we live our life really there. You everybody feel like your life's falling apart? It's because you, you, you hadn't chose yet. At least when you know you choose you, you know you, hey, I did it, it was my fault. 
you know when you choose God, God's way is always better than my ways. But when you confuse the two, you think like, I can do my way. I can be sinful and godly at the same time. I can be kind of good to my wife. Kind of love her. I can kind of honor my husband as long as he's acting right. He took the trash out and did what I asked him to do. And when you do that, your life just falls apart. My, my encouragement is just cling to God. Cling to God. Cling to God. Choose God. Always choose God. And yeah, you're going you're gonna to fight it. But don't do, either. don't do both. You do both. You fall apart. The, the funny thing about life is that the outcome is God's response. Thank you, guys. Come on, give it up for this team that I made. I just made them drag it out here. I felt like if I left it out here, all y'all would be just looking at the whiteboard the whole time. You ever do that? Sometimes I was sat in church. Well, this is side note. I was sitting in church sometimes, and I'd be looking up at the chandeliers trying to figure out, like, if that chandelier fell, how many people would it hit? <laughs> Did anybody do that but me? I, I get bored. Okay, good. Back to the, back to the message. So because I, you, because I trust you, God, because I lean on you, God, because I cling to you, God, I can't control the outcome. The outcome is God's responsibility. The obedience is my responsibility. And, and I find it interesting that big miracles tend to happen and follow small acts of obedience. Because you, see, you saw in the message, you saw in the story what happened as soon as they obeyed. Miracles happen. So if you're waiting for a miracle, obedience could be your step. Number two, this is the other one, and I'm done. Uh, Lord, help me surrender what I cannot control. Now, I don't know if there's any of you out there who have control issues and want to join my club. This was for you. Luke chapter 5, verse 10 says, Jesus replied to Simon, said, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be fishing for people. Jesus, that makes no sense, but Okay. And as soon as they landed, left everything and followed him. So step one, they let down their nets, but then they laid down their nets. That's different. I know it sounds the same, but it's different. It's one thing to be obedient to a command. It's a whole nother thing to walk away from everything I know. And say, I'm, I'm, it's, it's now, now it's you. Now it's you. I have major control issues. Can we give you an example? You all want some examples? This is just crazy. You know, I'll just let you know how messed up your pastor is. You need to consistently pray for me on a regular. Please put me on your prayer list. I'll be sitting at traffic lights, and I heard, this is, I don't even know if it's real. I heard that if you flash your lights at the lights, they'll s switch quicker. Does anybody hear that? Like some about the ambulances, and if they see their sirens, they'll turn or something. I'm pretty sure it's a lie, but I do it anyway because I want to control whether or not that I flash things, you know, it's like people must be like, what's wrong with that guy? He'd be flashing his lights all the time. I'm not, my lights aren't on. You know, it's like, it's weird. Um, I, um, I try to like, I try to take over everything I'm at. You know, I push the elevator button 8,000 times because I think, <laughs> does anybody think that if you push that button, it's going to come quicker? Anybody else but me? Like, I know it's probably not true, but I'm like, <laughs> no, babe, if I push it, it's going to recognize it's going to close quicker. Doesn't ever, does that close button. I don't, why do you have a button closed on the elevator that does not actually close? Does anybody else get frustrated? I'm just, this is the confessions of a control freak. I try to help sound guys at concerts. I'm not kidding you. If I find the sound guy, I'm like, hey, bro, hey, I can't hear him. Push the button. I know how to do this. I'm a pastor. I custom order almost 
all of my food. If you've been out to dinner with me, you know. Like, I know that this has no this and this. And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. I can make this food better. Just take the onions off. That's pretty much the regular. <laughs> but the truth is, you don't always have the power to control. But you listen, listen, listen. You, you do have the power to surrender. You do have the power to surrender. And, and he said in Psalm, Psalm, Psalm 20, he says, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the Lord. Remember we talking about we lean on the Lord, we cling on the Lord. And I don't, I don't know about you, but you got to ask yourself, what do you trust in? Do you trust in your economy? Like 2008, like 2020, there's a lot of people who really were really, really good until the market crashed, and then they were not really, really good. You trust in politics? There are, I mean, I'm, I'm, these are Christian people. There are Christian people who believe that if the right party was in public office, things would be infinitely better. I, I've just, I've not been alive long, but I feel like I've been alive sometime, and it would seem from the time I've been all grown to now, it would seem politics, probably not the answer. Jesus had the, by the way, Jesus had the opportunity to come in and shake up every politic and politician and system that was possible. They actually asked him to, and he said, that's not what I'm here for. That's not what I'm here. You, y'all, y'all talk about practice. Let's use Allen Iverson. You talk about practice. I'm talking about the game. I'm talking about what's real. I'm talking about what's actually going to change lives. You're talking about trying to regulate morality through laws. How about I just change their heart and then I don't, you don't have to worry about the laws. Like y- y'all got y'all to hear. Y'all got to hear. Y'all got to hear. And I'm thankful for our politics. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand. I'm thankful for politics. I'm thankful for government. I'm thankful for leaders. We should pray for them. You should vote. You should be active. In, I'm, I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm just saying that can't be what you put your trust and faith in. There's a difference. I'm just, it's different. Your bank account, do you trust your medical report? I'm telling you, this is stuff that's real. And when I remember, I remember thinking, I, I, have a, I have to learn to let go of my control of my life. I used to weigh 325 pounds. I know this sounds crazy. And um, I got a trainer for the first time. I was going to show you a picture of me, but I don't want to distract you. You're like, what's wrong with Aaron, you know? <laughs> I got stung by a bee, a lot of them. So um, I used to be 325, and, and I hired a trainer. This was funny. So like I told you, I have control issues. I walked in and told the trainer, listen, man, I know what we need to do here. I'm not kidding. I know what we need to do here. I've done all the research. I've watched all the videos. I know what I'm doing here. And, and I'll, never, I'll never forget what the trainer said. He goes, well, I don't know if that's true. He was, I was a pastor. And he was in our church, so he's trying to be kind. He said, man, I don't know if that's true, Pastor. I kind of finished this sentence for him, and I felt like it quickened in my spirit. Well, I guess if I did, then I wouldn't be here. And he, he said, he said, you're going to have to trust me. He's going to have to trust me. So I paid this man money to watch me work out for like two years. You, know? <laughs> you ever wonder that's about trainers? Like, I'm paying you money to watch me work out. That's weird. Um. But it wasn't until I let go of my control that I saw miracles happen. Because I, I, I wasn't in control of what, what, what he wanted me to do. I just, honestly, if I was in control, I probably wouldn't have ran as much. I wouldn't have pushed as hard. I wouldn't have done what I needed to do. It's kind of what my, I like with, with, with CrossFit now. You know, I kind of go into a gym, and I, I don't even know anything. Was, I don't know anything about anything. I don't even look at the workout before until I get there. They just tell me what to do. I do it, and I get out of there. And there's something freeing. I'm just telling you, there's something freeing about not being in control. Because here's the funny thing about life. Even if you believe you are, you really aren't. You just aren't. 
You know, the number one thing that, that a psychologist or counselor will tell you is if you have a real problem with anxiety and frustration and depression, it's getting used to the fact that there is no control in life. You can't control it. You're like, no, I can. Oh, I can. I can. When you walk outside and something could happen to you right now, you couldn't control it. We have no control of the government, of the economy, of another pandemic. We have no control of what our kids do. We have no control. We, we, we have steps to take. We have a part to play, but we have no control. Let's be honest. It's a giant lie. And God's, God's waiting for us to hand over our control, surrender our control. And I've just noticed, I thought was the most unique, maybe the most unique thing of, as I close today and I'm done. I could only imagine Simon and the fishermen's frustration. They were at the end of their rope. They were at the end of their night. At the end of their day. And God's timing seems to be unique. God, why, why would you wait? You ever think, did anybody ever ask that from God recently? God, why would you wait? God, why would you wait? I think sometimes God lets us get to the end of ourselves. Let's just kind of run through the motions of what we think is right. And right when we think we're done, Right when we think we're at the end. This is for those of you who are just at the end of your rope. You're at the end of your marriage rope. This is the last moment. You feel like you can't hold on. You're at the end of your rope with your kids. There's something about your children. that There's no pain like kid pain. And maybe you have a kid who's lost. Maybe he's not doing what he should be doing. Maybe she's, 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 she's con- you're concerned for her future. You're concerned for what she's doing. Maybe you're estranged from your child. And you're at the end of your rope. You're frustrated. You're tired. You're at the end of the night. You're frustrated with your finances. There's people in here struggle with money. You just can't handle it anymore. You struggle with your job. You're at the end of your rope with your job. You're at the end of your rope with your... Is anybody... You struggle with your medical... Your, your health. I mean, there's so much sickness and disease in the world. You struggle. You're just tired. You're, you're tired. And if that's you... Jesus, he walks up. Such beautiful timing. They were done. They laid everything down. And God changed, changed their life. And so if that's you, you have hope. You have hope. The key message in the series about I can't. Yes, you can. With God. Yes, you can. With God. Say, yes, I can. Come on, like you can. Say, yes, I can. With God. I got to keep God in the middle. I can't see what God has for me unless I have him in my life. Got to put that snorkel on. I know it sounds silly. I know it sounds silly. I know this is like the, the silly thing of the world. But next time you see a snorkel, like, got to keep him in my life. I want to get I'm underwater. I gotta, if I feel like I'm underwater, I'm like, anybody feel like that? I'm underwater. I need, I need to get some air. I got to keep Jesus in my life. If you do that, I believe you can.